0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. What is good? It is your boy, Lupe, and we are here with another episode of ENN. ENN is Exiles Network News. It's your favorite weekly podcast show where we tackle the most interesting entertainment news topics in Exiles fashion. What does that mean? That means straight shots, no chaser. We're not going to BS... You know, we're not going to be scared of being canceled because we've already been exiled. So you're getting the absolute truth, and we're going to tackle these topics with no bias, and we're just going to have fun with it. Uh, Today, it's going to be just me and my boy, Riding Shotgun. Uh, Usually, we have three panelists, but today, it's just two of us. And so it's my pleasure to welcome His Highness, Christian.
1: (laughs) My loyal subjects. What's going on? <laughs> <How are
0: you? laughs> What's up, bro? Trying to stay healthy, baby. Good, good, good. I hope you're ready for this one. It's just you and I, and uh, it's, it's going to be fun. We have you quite a few topics. Yeah, we're going to stream, or we're going to, you know, kind of speed through them, but um, it's going to be a good episode. I'm excited about this one. So here's our rundown of topics for the day. We're going to start with a bit of um, an overview and sort of a catch-up. About you know the COVID pandemic and how it's affecting you know the movie industry in general, and we'll pivot from that to talking about Comic Con at home um, and what the pandemic has meant for uh, that you know world famous comic uh, convention. Then we're also going to talk about a new Star Wars uh, content announcement. Then we'll move to our coming soon section and in our coming soon section we have three trailers to react to. The Boys Season 2, Halloween Kills, and Star Trek Lower Decks. So without any more time wasting, let's just jump right into it. Topic number one for the day. The COVID pandemic has been persistent. It has wreaked havoc. In so 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 many facets of, of our lives it's been a huge disruptor it's been sort of like a strange wake-up call mm. for all of us and unfortunately one of the industries that's been hit the hardest has been the movie industry just by the nature of its model they're not able to open in any capacity as long as this pandemic is threatening and affecting us and so movies have been delayed and delayed and delayed and um, we're going to focus specifically on Tenet. A report from an insider, a prognosticator, an expert came out saying that Tenet, which has already been delayed two times and has been moved to the 12th of August, is most likely going to be moved into September because with the way things are looking, theaters are not going to be able to open by the date that it's currently situated at. As a matter of fact, even if theaters open before that, economic activity has not picked up to the point uh, in which, you know, they could move forward. And you use the example of New York. New York has done quite a good job. Of tackling the virus um, and they just begin to open things up but even as that is there's been sort of like a slow economic recovery and public um, confidence consumer confidence is not at a level that could sustain um, the opening of a big blockbuster so um, Christian what do you think of this news do you think that um, they us just go ahead and just you know just put tenet out there what do you think about tenet um positioning itself as this savior of the theatrical experience
1: well first on your second question i think there's not too many directors out there that you could pin hopes like that like right now like christopher nolan's movies are event movies. Um, I still hear people talk about Inception, what he did with the Dark Knight trilogy. It's, there's just, you say Christopher Nolan, you immediately think prestige film. Um, and there's a couple of others out there, of course. There's, he's not the only one. But the point is, is, there's just not many. And if there's a guy that a, a studio can pin a billion dollar movie on, they say, there he is. There's a guy that I think can give us 800 to a billion dollars, right? 800 million to a billion bucks. So they're probably looking at one of the right people to do this. But I live in New Jersey, so I'm right outside of New York City. I'm literally eight miles from the city. I can see it from outside my house. We got hit bad, and we got hit first when it Mm -hmm. came to COVID. Our doctors and our nurses, and some of them are close friends of mine, saw shit that they hope that they never see ever again in their lives. Morgue trucks parked outside with refrigerators keeping bodies. People didn't claim bodies. They're being buried in potter's fields in New York City. It's terrible, man. Now, we've... You know, gotten some treatments and stuff like that. But the reason I say all of that is that if you use my area as an example, you use the Northeast as an example, the United States, even if they decided to open, there is a chunk of the population that's like, I'm not going to a theater. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to do it. I, I mean, I'm in that population because I have a, a wife who's immunocompromised and I have a bit of a heart condition. So we're not going to go out to a theater immediately. And man... Does that hurt? Because like movies to us and my family, my father, and my sister means more than just going to see a movie. It's a bonding experience. Um, some of my best memories of my late mother are with movies. She loved Indiana Jones and she loved Star Wars. And it was just so like going to see a summer flick with my mom was always really cool. And it was just a fun experience. And, and uh, that's gone for the moment. So, and I think, I think people are missing the point there. There's I've seen people be like, "Oh, it's a first-world problem." Well, we call it the movie industry because it employs so many people. And if you know, like, if a, if a if a movie company, if a, if a studio goes out and makes a movie, you, oh man, if they go out to an area that that has a downline economic effect on that area for the six months or whatever that the movie is shooting out there, so this stuff being paused is a problem. I don't know, man. It, it's. I'll leave it to you on this. He probably is the one of the right people to pin a comeback on. But the timing is everything. And we've seen, at least in the United States, that if you open too soon, the virus comes back. So how mm-hmm. are you going to get people's butts back into seats when they don't mm-hmm. necessarily feel comfortable going to a theater?
0: Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, what well said it's it's so heartbreaking. It is depressing. Yeah. In whatever Synonyms, you know, you can come up with are all applicable. Um, we expected it to last a long time. Um, I mean, we we're warned, we we're prepped mentally for that. But it's it's so heartbreaking to see it last longer. And the reason why is because uh, a lot of U.S. governors and, and the president and his... his uh, Whole team just handled, have handled it so poorly in terms of the messaging, being very inconsistent and the messaging, yeah. sometimes contradictory. All like it is, man. Medical, Call uh, like this. Advice. Um, and it's so sad that the rest of the world is getting it right. Probably not getting it perfectly. There are places that are, that are doing perfectly with it, but there are other places that are at least, you know, flattening the curve, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and doing so much better, and the U.S. is doing so much worse. At a time when the virus is in recession in other places, it's exploding in the U.S. It's such an indictment on who we are as a people. I mean, I'm American, but I live in the U.K. Mm -hmm. Um, And just to see that difference from the outside in, it's, it's, it's very heartbreaking. And the sad thing about this is that we talk about, you know, all these delays and the impact it has on the movie industry, employment, businesses, people's li- livelihood, etc. These are very, very serious, serious things. And the U.S.'s failures are going to affect, yes. you know, the economic destinies and fates of other uh, you know, movie industries in other countries. So because the U.S is not able to get things right, Tenet and all these big Hollywood movies which supply the global movie industry with, you know the the product to drive business, it's it's going to be late things are going to shut down so places like the uk places like you know like germany like you know wherever else you know you have movie theaters all over the world are going to suffer because of the us failures in in addressing this issue and and that's a sad thing and it's a lesson for all of us and we all need to stop being selfish and we need to remember we are a global a global community we're a global village yes we have political borders we have cultural differences racial differences but at the end of the day the the flapping of a butterfly's wings can cause a tsunami on the other side of the earth so um i think that's one of the most heartbreaking things about it the way like people's selfishness in one part of the world can affect others in in another part of the world. And this can even, you know, go back to, you know, the the wet markets and what, you know, China needs to do in terms of, you know, their government and being more responsible with, you know, um, closing those markets for good. And, you know, just it's, it it shows how interconnected we are and i hope people can learn lessons from it but it's so sad to see that yeah people are not no yeah. uh. i mean we
1: get so tribal like you said I'm, I'm sure i'm sure the chinese dig in and say it's not us and we you know And then you see the americans digging in and we got to stop man we we really are like you said we're really connected using your example using that as an example the united states while I know we have all these conversations about us being quote unquote exceptional. We really need to stop that because we're citizens of the world just like everybody else, you know. We are citizens of this world. But we have a lot of economic clout. And if we continue to kill ourselves, what does that do to global markets? What does that do to consumers? I mean, there's just what does it do to the economy the environment? You know, it's mm-hmm. just you're right. It's um it's bad. It's really mm-hmm. bad all around, but Hey, from a movie perspective, though, it's really bad. You know, the the worldwide movie market has become so important in recent years. Mm-hmm. But if you just take away that US market, it would still hurt the industry. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, so to to conclude this this discussion, what do you think? Because no end seems to be inside, to be honest. <laughs> um, what do you if you were the final you know decision maker in (laughs) all things you know releasing movies to theaters and obviously tenant is supposed to be the nexus point what what um what would you advise
1: i i know that there's a lot of people out there that want to start saying that this is the moment this is when we start pushing video on demand and all that stuff and that's you know the studios need to understand that and but That's going to change movie making, then people are going to start making things for a small screen and everything. That cinematic experience is still special. And I still think that there's a place for it moving forward. Maybe we have to change certain things, making it 4D, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So instead of just giving in and saying, screw it, we're just going to go video on demand or we're just going to pound it and force movies down people's throat, it might, you might just have to ride it out a little bit longer and say 2020 is a lost year. And we gotta start thinking about 2021 at this point because we need to keep people safe. We need to keep our creatives safe. We need to keep the freaking boom guys safe. You know, you gotta keep them safe. Mm-hmm. Anybody, it doesn't matter. You know, you gotta keep everybody safe. And at this point, we might have to write off 2020.
0: Yeah. A- and
1: that hurts, that's painful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But public health sometimes is what you need before oh, yeah. you can have
0: economic health. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, personally, um, what I would do is sort of be, be on the same page with you because I, I think with what we're seeing in the US with the numbers and all that kind of stuff, it seems like September might even be super optimistic. I think you might be looking at oh, November yeah. really for things to to be because I think when whenever you put tenants in theaters, it's not going to make the maximum amount of money that it should. And I guess what they're they're saying is that they will change the model to leave it in theaters for much longer. But then you're gonna have other movies come into, into theaters and yeah. it's going to yeah. be you know clogged and there's gonna be, you know. So I think what I would do is I would start looking at uh at streaming and svod. That's that's what I and and I will I would write of 2020, but then in order to recoup funds, definitely. I think that they need to, they need to, to do that for the movies that are on the slate and ha- have a schedule for that until theaters are, are able to open up because mm-hmm. you do need to still bring in money for the studios and you know um, the investors and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then what they can look to do is that they can reintroduce tenant to theaters once theaters are open for special screenings for people who want to see it on the big screen and that sort of thing. I think that that will be um, the way to go. Obviously, I'm also being selfish about this because Tenet is one of my most anticipated movies (laughs) and I really want to see it. So I have to let that bias be known. But I do think that um, there does come a point where where if you're trying to reconcile the economic the economics of, of things with the, you know, humanistic view in terms of, you know, we shouldn't say, oh, you know, uh, people have to make money. We have to do this, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, at the same time, you don't have to sacrifice lives to do that or health yeah. or well-being uh, to do that. So I think the compromise will be streaming, which is Really, already available, and is is an avenue there. And personally, I don't think that that will have like long term effects of um, sort of destroying the way that uh, movies are released. Um, yeah, I, I really, I really don't think so. Everybody understands that these are special circumstances, and I think a movie like Tenet on SVOD, it will do numbers. It will I, th- th- yeah, I think
1: it would absolutely
0: yeah. do numbers. And as I said before, no matter what. Whenever Tenet goes to theaters, whenever all these movies go to theaters, they are not going to make as much as they could have. It's just not going to happen. Like, yeah. for, forget that pipe dream of, oh, it's going to make a billion dollars and people are going to go. Like, people, even people who brave it to go will probably go only once. People are not going to be doing it multiple times. Then let's not forget the fact that people are just not as economically viable as they used to be before so you also have that as 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 something apart from the health uh risks and people not like so forget that um i think that the way to go would be uh v- SVOE yeah yeah okay well let's uh go to our next topic and this is uh, has to do with a uh, san diego comic con it was canceled this year and um so they they've organized comic-con at home so you don't have to go to san diego you don't have to risk your health from the comforts of your home you can enjoy all the panels and (laughs) that interaction with um with the artists and creators uh however due to the uh changed circumstances It has made a lot of the high-profile participants, you know, pull out. Uh, So, most notably, there'll be no Marvel this year. There'll be no Lucasfilm. Um, It's scheduled to commence from the 22nd of July to the 26th of July. Uh, What do you think about San Diego Comic-Con at home with no Marvel, no Lucasfilm, no DC? Um no big major movie presence.
1: Understatement, they are in a rough spot. Yeah, mm. they are in a tough spot. You know, this is an event. New York Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con are they've turned from like just nerdy things to these massive, like sexy events with mm-hmm cosplay contests and some of the top tier names and directors go there and do panel discussions as well as the stars of the different movies and everything because obviously comic book movies have now become mainstream um i personally have gotten comics signed there when i went to new york comic con and you're able to go there and get your comics rated and everything like that it's really cool um and it's become just this pop culture thing uh, you know, it, it's no longer on the fringes, it's very mainstream and it's a big moneymaker and it's a really good way for studios, whether we're talking about DC, DCEU, Marvel, Lucasfilm, all them, it's a really good way for them to showcase their marquee premiere stuff and get some marketing in there. This is going to be weird, man. And, you know, I, in my job, we, we are now running virtual events and it's working, but we're small and, you know, what do we got? hundred, 200 people that show up? Great they're trying to connect thousands of people with the with these names and this is going to be rough and and I've seen a lot of blowback online from places from you know studios against Lucasfilm, Marvel, Disney for making a you know that call or looking like they're going to make that call and it's kind of like well, what else were they gonna do? You know, like the stuff that's coming out on Disney Plus is on pause. Falcon and the Winter Soldier still needs to finish. So does WandaVision, Mandalorian 2, is that that hasn't started filming, right? So th- what are they gonna do? You know, Eternals, they haven't been able to do anything with that. Black Widow, it's already done. What are they gonna do? Show another trailer? <laughs> you know, it's like they're like they're kind of stuck in a weird spot. Of course, they want money. You know, so Disney wants money. So, you know, if they're going to, they're going to advertise stuff that's not going to make them money for another year or two, it's like, they're in a weird spot. I, I don't know. it. I, they want to try to go live next year. I think I saw that on their website. They really want to try to push it for live, but I think it's going to be really strange for them to try to take something that has become a pop culture event, kind of a sexy event. And you know what I mean by sexy and, Make it online and make people feel like they really are having this interactive experience with some of the creators. Because, by the way, that's always been the strength of Comic Con. That's always been the strength. You know, going to see the different writers, the drawers, the pencilers, uh, some of your favorite actors, um, the people that are creating the movies behind the scenes. That's really been a lot of the fun and getting the really the cool announcements and exclusive trailers and things. I don't know how you recreate that virtually, man.
0: I'm not mm. sure. Mm. I, I i don't think you can like the hype is not gonna be there it's gonna be it's going to be so strange as a matter of fact um I, i'm not even like looking forward to mm. really anything on there um this is just another loss for for the industry yeah this year another thing that the pandemic has has taken from us marvel not Going, I don't think it's going to affect them um, in terms of of creating buzz for for their projects. Marvel did the groundwork a long time ago of connecting to their fans and you know using yeah. these uh, using San Diego Comic Con to connect with like bloggers and fan blog sites and fans and mm-hmm. establishing themselves. So now they're just an autopilot, really. Um, Comic-Con needs them more than they need Comic-Con. Um, you're probably right. Yeah. yeah you're probably what right. I am looking forward to is I'm looking forward to what DC is doing with their DC fandom. Um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing their reveals. It seems like they're really going all out for this. They have a lot of big things planned. This is like the first time that DC has actually done something that is fan-focused. Mm-hmm. Usually whenever they have any sort of like – big reveals or events it's usually via uh an investor event which has is part of why like if you know the history of these two competing um studios this is one of the reasons why marvel um was able to establish itself and get that goodwill much better than dc was able to first off Obviously, Marvel had the advantage of the first mover. They were the first ones to, you know, sort of bring all their characters to fray. Um, You're always, in any business, it's kind of like the Coca-Cola thing. It's, you know... (laughs) Yeah, it's like McDonald's. The first mover is going to have an advantage. Then also, Marvel, they actually did a lot of events for fans. And they, you know, set it up for fans, and they did invite bloggers. Um, And so... They got that goodwill, so basically, they, everything that they did just got the benefit of the doubt. Meanwhile, yeah. what Warner Brothers was doing was they have investor conferences behind kind of closed doors. Then after that, they uh, you know get like a general, you know, like press release of you know the things that they unveiled. Um, so um, I think you know with AT um, and T purchasing Warner and them sort of being more uh more cutting edge, more sort of innovative, uh having a better grasp on sort of like you know digital marketing, that kind of thing.
1: Oh, there's you're a different feel seeing,
0: there. Yeah you're, yeah, you're you're seeing that play out with this DC fandom event. It's quite ambitious. Um so I'm very curious to see how that works. And I have the feeling that if it's gang gangbusters you can just say sayonara goodbye to their comic-con presence it's going to be minimal at best it's going to be probably like crumbs just to keep a good a good uh relationship yeah what's up you know
1: you you just hit on something really important there you you sparked it as you as you were saying that maybe that you're right they're they're building dc fandom right from the ground up that this thing is like they're making a whole virtual experience with different worlds that fans can jump in and out of on their smartphones or their tablets or their laptops. Really cool. What the hell do they need Comic-Con for moving forward? Yep. I mean, yep. this. Oh, wow. I mean, Comic-Con has really exploded. As I was saying, it became this pop culture thing. If the two biggies pull out moving forward and, and say exactly what you just said before, that Comic-Con needs them more than they need Comic-Con. I wonder what happens. I didn't even think of it that way. You just made me think of it now that way.
0: Yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's, it's very fascinating, so I, I I can't wait to see the results of this. Um, yeah, uh, personally, in terms of, oh, but, you know, it's bad for Comic-Con. I don't feel too bad for Comic-Con, um, because from what I've heard, their leadership or the organizers have kind of been, I don't want to say full of themselves, but they have it's not... It's okay to say that. Yeah, well... <laughs> exile me to the wasteland they have been been full of themselves they have not been the easiest to negotiate with because they've kind of seen themselves as you know king of the hill Uh, and i think that they may be in for a rude awakening with uh with things that may go on in the future which which and competition is always good so that that will force them to step up their game and that will force them to to do better. So we'll see um how things go in the future. And we'll we'll cover Comic Con at home. Um hopefully there's interesting things there for for us to talk about. Mm-hmm. So the next topic we're gonna talk about is new Star Wars content. Yay! <laughs> the crowd goes bananas and it's the <sighs> bad batch, which the first time I, I saw that was the bad bitch. <laughs> Star Wars, the, Star Wars, the bad I was bitch. Like, is this like an Instagram model who gets <laughs> like a lightsaber and goes on some adventure? Bad bitch. <laughs> <The> bad bitch. <laughs> uh, so it's a bad batch, and it's about Clone Force ninety nine. Yes. um The whole thing sounds like a Suicide Squad kind of, um <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy kind of, you know, thing. um Also reminiscent of you know sort of like. Firefly, but I guess the whole of Rebels also had kind of like a a Firefly kind of feel to it. But it comes from a long Star Wars veteran and visionary and creative Dave Filoni. And also from a lot of creators on Rebels and The Mandalorian. Um, And it's being fast-tracked and it's coming very quickly. It's going to be with us next year streaming on Disney Plus and this is uh, the press release from Agnes Chu the senior vice president of content at Disney Plus she says giving new and existing fans the final chapter of Star Wars the Clone Wars has been our honor at Disney Plus and we are overjoyed by the global response to this landmark series while the Clone Wars may have come to its conclusion our partnership with the groundbreaking storytellers and artists at Lucasfilm Animation is only beginning. We're thrilled to bring De Filoni's vision to life through the next adventures of The Bad Batch. So, um, I'm not, you know, well-versed on all things Star Wars. As a matter of fact, I didn't watch the last season of The Clone Wars. Star Wars is not my jam, <laughs> so to speak. I can listen to the jam, but it's not my jam so to speak, but Christian, it is your thing, so um, why don't you tell us about your excitement level, um, mm-hmm. what this means, and uh, I'll try to chime in where I can.
1: Absolutely, well, Star Wars is my jam, Star Wars is my jam, <laughs> and uh, shameless plug, fellow Exile, Brandon and I did a Clone Wars Season 7 review recently, it's out there, so if you want to and check it
0: amazing, out. It's but- a season podcast. It is a
1: uh, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. full spoiler, so it is. Make sure you watch the season before you jump into it. But we we loved season seven. See the end, the Siege of Mandalore arc was perfection. It was cinematic. We hope that this, just those four episodes are released on Blu-ray at some point with uh, just a couple of tweaks on you know CGI and all. Oh god, it was so good. We'll talk about that another day. There's not much that Star Wars fans agree on lately except Clone Wars. Clone Wars is one of the few things that original series, prequel series, and sequel series fans all come together and say, we love this one piece of Star Wars, Clone Wars. It went so deep into the lore, came from the mind of George Lucas, was expanded by Filoni and his team, and then we got season seven. And there's a whole bunch of stories from the end of the Clone Wars that they never really kind of fleshed out. The only place where you get a little bit of fan friction is the clones themselves. Um, our fellow exile, Paul, who's usually on ENN, is not a fan of the clones. He doesn't care about them. Mm-hmm. But other Star Wars fans like Brandon and I, we actually love the fact that Clone Wars made the clones feel like they were not just mindless automatons that were doing the new emperor's bidding. And that was it. They, they each had a personality. They were grown in a vat somewhere. But they saw themselves as individuals. They had hopes and dreams, fears, just like the rest of us. The, you know, being put out there and thrown into war, having PTSD. These clones were humans. And that's what was so important about the clones. And unfortunately, when you're genetically engineering people, you're going to screw up. And there's a couple of screw ups (laughs) and they're the bad Mm -hmm. batch. So we got to see a little bit of them at the beginning of season seven. And they were kind of fun. There's a they were a little cliche, but they weren't perfect. And that's what was so great about them. You know, the clones were supposed to be genetically perfect and all look the same, and these guys didn't. And a clone that we thought was dead, we found out that he really wasn't, and he joins them. And I think this is a really good way to go because there are some stories, as I said, that Filoni and Lucas wanted to expand on, they never got an opportunity with. And The Bad Batch is one of the few stories that they feel that they can really move forward. And they've gotten universal praise for Season 7. Why not? Mm. why not i'll throw it back to you lupe on this star wars is in a weird spot right now the sequel trilogy has been beat to death by people that love it or hate it it's a constant fight the prequel you know the trilogy people turned around and said george lucas raped my childhood blah 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 <laughs> all this other crap right clone wars people seem to love why mm. not go with what people love people are loving mandalorian right now go with something that you think might bring the fandom together you're going to have a couple people like paul that are probably going to be like eh. I'm not really into seeing more clones, but he's already said he'll give it a look because it's Clone Wars. Mm, so,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, and, and you don't have to bring live people together and spend all this money and possibly have to you know, push production out because of COVID. You can probably do some of this stuff remotely. I think it's a good idea. I think it's good to revisit a section of the Star Wars universe that has pretty much universal praise from old school, prequel, and sequel fans together. I don't know what you think, but those are my thoughts on it, and I am hyped for it
0: nice nice um for me i just think it's quite interesting that the things they're kind of humming um at star wars are all kind of like mandalorian clone wars (laughs) similar kind of stuff right not like like the actual like jedi or sith yeah uh, yeah i just i think it's i think it's very very uh It's not strange or weird, it's interesting. It's interesting. And I don't know whether there's some commentary on how established or legacy aspects of these huge franchises kind of have a hard time because of expectations and because people are so cemented in their views of what they should be that... Mm -hmm. They're not able to be, you know, sort of like creative and 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 uh, really move forward or be experimental or even probably just do anything. Period. (laughs) Now, the argument people always make to that is like, oh, no, but look at Marvel. Marvel is doing it well, blah, blah, blah. This is Marvel's first go at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you understand what I'm saying, right? i'm talking about mcu the mcu MCU. this is their first go this is we're not having like the second um iron man and the third uh captain america and this is their first go at it when you talk of like the dceu there have been so many iterations of of these characters and these worlds and these universes when you talk of star wars there have been so many eras of Star Wars, whether it's the same story or not. You know, you had, you know, the, the OG trilogy and the prequels, and then the, you know, uh current uh trilogy. So people have all these nostalgic references to pull from that color their perception of what they're doing in the past. So for someone like Marvel, there's nothing for anyone to compare it to. Nobody right. can say, oh no this is not as good as, you know, this is not my Tony Stark. Like Yeah, yeah. You know, right. Tony Stark. <laughs> exactly. So I think that that it's interesting that the only thing that's sort of, that doesn't have, you know, all that drama and all that baggage is something, are, are the parts that don't have to do with the core, like, legacy um, characters. And um, I don't know what that says about, about audiences or, I know what it says, but... It's audiences suck. <laughs> that's yeah, just we do. We
1: do. And you know, and, and Star Wars fandom. I'm, they're going to hate me. I know that they're going to hate me, but we suck, man. I'm 40 years old. I've been, a, I've been a, in this fandom for not a just, long time. It's not
0: just Star Wars DC. It's just, it's all, it's, it's all. Just like fandom. It's just fandom. God. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: We are bad. And it's, and by the way, you should vocalize what you like or don't like. If you don't like something, absolutely. You be mm-hmm. vocal. I mean, throw it out there. Say, I hate Star Trek six or that's fine. Whatever it's okay. But man, we get tribal and we, oh, you're right. It's the, the the not my Luke Skywalker crap or the the not my uh oh. <laughs> we we could go off on a huge tangent and we won't. But mm, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> bottom line for me is I say, "You know what? Go with what's working right now. Stay away from Jedi versus Sith and Ray versus Luke mm-hmm. and blah 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 blah. This is a corner of the universe that has yet to really be explored. You have an opportunity mm-hmm. to expand on it. Everyone loves Clone Wars. Go for it."
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I think um, I think it's a good move for Disney Disney Plus um, getting like fresh new animated um, material, um, and I'm curious to see what the franchise does with the uh, the Old Republic. Like fans have been begging for that. Oh my god, they've been begging for it. so long. Yeah. So that's that's another part of their universe that they uh, that's just another you know bolt of lightning that they haven't yet, you know, tapped into. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what the future has for them. I'm still not the biggest Star Wars fan. I'm, I still say, and I'll say it every time, <laughs> The Matrix is the best, like, universe of storytelling. It's just untapped, and I can't wait to see what Warner Brothers and AT&T do with that universe. If, if they're smart, I believe, like, that's the goat. Um, hey, so, Star Wars fans, service, come attack me! I'm, I'm here <laughs> for it. I'm standing down on my word. All right, so now let's go to our coming soon section. Coming soon is the section where we react to the week's most exciting trailers, and we have three today. We have The Boys season two, Halloween Kills, and Star Trek: Lower Decks. So let's start with The Boys. The Boys season one, mm-hmm. Um critically acclaimed. Fan acclaimed, um, quite popular. It's this sort of um, satirical take on on superheroes, um, super edgy R rated crazy balls to the wall and season two is coming to us from Amazon Prime on September 4th. And so they released a, a whole clip, which I didn't watch because I didn't want anything to be spoiled. Then they released an actual trailer. Uh, so, Christian, what's your reaction to the trailer for Season 2 of The Boys?
1: Out of control. Nuts. I mean, it's just nuts. see the, the, the second... <laughs> It looks like season two is a mess, just like the first. And by the way, I say that with love. I say it with love. I really liked the first one. I thought the first season was really, it was exciting. It was, it, it had a couple cool commentaries on the way we worship our superheroes right now and our comic book movies and everything. And, you know, talked about marketing and, you know, corporate, oh my God, going too crazy on consumerism and runaway capitalism and all kinds of stuff It had to say, Really, and then of course, just ultra-violent and sex and all kinds, of, <laughs> all kinds of crazy mm. shit. Uh, so it was very adult, and and it made no apologies, and it gave zero fucks. And it looks like the second season is doing the exact same thing. the 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 trailer that we got is doubling down on how unstable Homelander is, doubling down on the boys being on the run. We get a We see a little bit new uh, about uh, Stormfront. She's a brand new superhero now, and apparently she has her own agenda. Um, And everybody's going to kind of be on the run from the big company Voight. It looks to me that if you liked season one, you're going to be sold on season two on this trailer. If you didn't like season one, you're going to be turned off by this trailer. That's what it seemed to me. Cause it absolutely looks like it's doubling down on everything that made season one, what it was. So for me, two big thumbs up, but for people out there that didn't like season one, you're probably going to be turned off immediately. That's what I would think.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Um, I liked season one. I thought it was a bit overrated because people were getting into this whole conversation about how about oh it's deconstructionist and this is how you do deconstruction. yeah, deconstructionist yeah, than you know Zack Snyder did it in you know, like his movies and watchmen and it's like it's not this is not deconstruction. You do if you think it's a deconstruction, you don't understand what deconstruction nah, is it's not the it's same. More it's more different. Yeah. And yeah. it's more fun. It's it's less of a serious sort of Commentary and it's more sort of like a crazy, twisted um, version of 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 what we know. If you're if you're looking for something that deconstructs and is quite serious about that and intellectual about that, I mean, aside from Zack Snyder movies, which I always you know recommend, your Batman v Superman or Watchmen, which is just a faithful adaptation of the comic book. Uh, look at the watchmen series from uh that was on that was on HBO um, no matter how how I, you feel about it I'm a bit conflicted about it I think that that's what people thought that the boys is um, but the boys I thoroughly enjoyed because it's fun it's cool it's it's actually got like quite good storylines uh really interesting twists and turns um And I think that there is a lot more interesting stuff in in season two coming just from the way, you know, the story of season one went and where it ended Mm -hmm. than was revealed in the trailer. The trailer is, you know, one of those rhythmic trailers um, that, you know, that, you know, is cut to the beat of of its score. uh, And it's quite exciting and energetic and it just seems like oh, it's just fun. But I think that there's actually going to be quite like you know good story um, going on, and I- I'm excited to see. The only thing I'm not excited about is that this season it's going to be episodic, and I don't like that shit. Oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Ever since I started binging series, <laughs> I just I can't I can't do the episodic thing. Sorry, not going to be able to do it. Not going to be able to do it. Um, so. When it comes out, unfortunately, I'm not going to be watching it every week. I'm just going to try my best to stay away from spoilers, blocking and muting everyone who ever posts any spoilers. Yes. And, and when the season's over, I will binge all of them and then um I can talk more about it. But in terms of a trailer, um yeah, I thought it was it was decent, um honestly. and Yeah, it was just it was an OK trailer for me because in terms of like the rhythmic thing, we've seen it before. It doesn't give too much on story. just that, you know, the no. boys are now known in the open and they're still on the run from the, you know, to, uh, supers and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was an OK trailer, to be sincere, um, for someone who's seen the boys and seen season one and knows, knows the tone and knows what, what it's about. It didn't really bring anything new to the conversation. Just season two is coming. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think they're trying to tell you, hey, if this is you like the boys, this is it. You know, it's it's, it's
0: this is what you're getting. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. It's not a pivot, it's not a revolution, it's not nope. an evolution. It's you're getting more of the same, just some growth. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next one we'll talk about is Halloween Kills. <laughs> um, and this is very, very short. Um, like basically it's a teaser. So it's gonna come out on October twenty-first. It's still scheduled to be released. Um Obviously, they, they want to take advantage of the Halloween festivities, the Halloween season. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to go this year. Uh, best Halloween costume is just going to be like a coronavirus outfit. I bet we're going to see like a bunch of those this year. Um, people just dress like coronaviruses. Um, uh, and hopefully Halloween comes so finally everyone will wear a mask. Yay! Um, <laughs> So, uh, what do you think of the Halloween Kills um, short teaser?
1: Like you said, it's very brief. Um, It's very intense with the fire and everything like that. With Laurie, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis screaming and kind of going crazy. So, it's very, very brief. If I liked Halloween, the series, for going way back. I thought John Carpenter's original Halloween was very good. And then sporadically, there were some, like Halloween H2O, that... I thought also were quite good and added something a little different to the series when Michael Myers was more of this Jason-esque kind of killer that couldn't be stopped like Freddy Krueger, I thought it lost it. But then apparently, and I really liked the last Halloween movie. I thought that was really good. And I liked the fact that they had Laurie fighting PTSD and she had weapons all over her house and she fully expected her brother to come back and she's defending herself. It grounded it in a little bit more reality. It still had that horror Mm -hmm. slasher movie feel. Let's not make any bones about it. It did. And Mm -hmm. it did have a couple of horror movie tropes as the movie went on. It did. It's just what it did, but I liked the way it ended and everything. And if Lupe, if you didn't see it, I don't want to ruin it, but it looks like this picks up right where that leaves off. And what's cool about that is you get a continuing storyline. They're trying to keep that quasi-realistic, quote-unquote, feel in that world that they're building up, Keep it in the family with Laurie and her family still being terrorized by Michael who can't stop because he's got a problem and can't stop and wants to continue to go after them. I like that. Um, But I, I do want to see how they explain because I want them to get away from, like I said, Halloween was always at its best I felt when they stopped Michael Myers from being this unkillable villain, it's when he was a little more susceptible to getting hit with a baseball bat or something like that. It seemed more frightening when they would just shoot him and he stood there and just kept walking after you like a monster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, come on. So I hope they continue that. But the way the last movie ended made it a little tough for that to you know what i mean to continue i don't want to say anything else without ruining it for you so but but yeah i'm looking forward to this as a halloween fan but i think they got a little ways to go to turn fans back on but apparently they were really surprised with the way the first one the the feedback that they got they greenlit two more sequels so this is the first of two
0: Mm, mm -hmm, yeah mm
1: -hmm. so they did something uh, right yeah
0: yeah i'm not i'm not uh i'm not a big fan of horror movies um I'm a little, little putty cat. <laughs> 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 I'm too, I'm too chicken to enjoy the thrills of of getting uh, scared and frightened. Um, to really be a fan of them, so I've never been hugely into the Halloween franchise. Um, I did like the, the teaser though. Because obviously, I do know of the lore in terms of Jason being this sort of unkillable killer machine, whatever. And at the end, you know, from what I gather, um, it seems like it's a good reason why he's coming back. She's like, "Don't put out the fire!" Like, and you're just—that was kind of hilarious to see, like how a credible reason for why um, he's gonna come back to yeah on them. So, um. For fans of the franchise, it looks it looks like it, from what I saw like the cinematography and sort of like the the tone, um, it didn't seem like ridiculous, seemed quite no. believable and a bit grounded. Even though it was very, very short and I don't have a lot of experience with it, it did seem like it's it's less ridiculous, the ridiculous sort of like superhero Darth Vader, um, Jason Sass. <laughs> that we used to get and i think that that bodes well for the franchise so to people who are all for this you know i, I think that this is a good this is uh this forebodes good things I think so, um so. Yeah. all right so final trailer we'll talk about is for an animated uh series coming to cbs all access and oh it's coming very soon on the 6th of august yeah, it's yeah. called star trek lower decks so this one uh is a series that doesn't follow your usual you know Heroes at the um at the uh I guess top decks of (laughs) the Enterprise or whatever the Star Trek ships. This one follows like the the small workers, like if you always think like all right, they're always talking about these guys who are doing all this heroic stuff. But what about the guys at the bottom? The 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 working stiffs, the guys who like you know, (laughs) whatever the ship gets blown up and those are the guys that always getting blown up they're like the cannon fodder like what are their lives like and um yeah so it was actually quite a lengthy trailer it was quite interesting so what do you think of the trailer for star trek lower decks
1: there was an episode i believe it's in season six or season seven of the next generation called the lower decks and it's a really beautiful episode that focuses on just that. The stars of the series have almost cameos in that episode. And it focuses on four junior officers that are trying to make a difference and want to move up to the next step. And they all screw up in their own ways. They do. One of them is exceptionally strong, but the other three, I mean, everyone has their weaknesses, which was so great about that episode because all we saw was, you know, how great Captain Picard was and Worf is this powerful warrior and everything. Mm -hmm. And it was so great to see these kids Basically, um, trying to work their way up in Starfleet and make a name for themselves and prove to their higher ups that they can do it, that they need more responsibility and they want to be pushed. They want to learn. They want to you know excel. So it was just a great episode, and that's where apparently this the show takes its inspiration from. And it's very Rick and Morty esque, and it's goofy and it's zany and it's sophomoric, but I loved it. I, you know, as a Trek fan, I loved it. It was so funny. I found myself laughing because they're kind of making fun of Star Trek at the same time. And, you know, one of the things about outside of Deep Space Nine, most of the time in Discovery now, most of the time Star Trek, early Star Trek showed how far humanity had come. And we were so perfect. And even the other races that we bring into the Federation are suddenly perfect because they're in the Federation. And that's what we see. And it's only recently in like Picard, like I said, and some of the others that you really got to see that. Yeah, the the universe is just as effed up as it was before. It's just we don't see it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you got this gl- you know this this glimmering, shimmering heroism that's happening at the top, but yeah, shit still falls apart underneath. And I like this because not only does it focus on some of the cooler aspects of Star Trek that we never really di- dive into, but it's it's fun, you know. It, it doesn't. I'm sure old school fans of this. I'll throw it back to you on this. I'm sure old school fans of the Star Trek series are are gonna be cringing. I'm sure they're going to be cringing, but if they could just, you know, get the chip off your shoulders for a little bit, learn to laugh at yourselves, this looks like it's a lot of fun. It really does, and I think that's what we need to do. I think we just need to have fun with this.
0: Yeah, um, I think it, it looked very interesting. Uh, the only thing that puts me off it is this new art style. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even call it art anymore. Yeah, you're that right. Everybody's, it's like every single new um, animated uh, series looks like this. Like, what is the deal? Like, people, come on. Like, get it together. Be individuals. Do, like, did I miss something where there was a mandate <laughs> that every single... Hand-drawn animation has to look like this. And I'll be honest with you, it doesn't even look good. I mean, I'm not saying it looks horrible, it's bearable, but it doesn't it doesn't look good. This is not like, oh, you want to see like really good like art for hand-drawn animation? You need to see Rick and Morty. It looks so good. <laughs> it's quirky and it's different, but that that should that should have been where it stopped. We should have just had Rick and Morty look like that, and that was it. But everything looks like like that. Whether it's like Adventure Time or this one. Or I just see yeah. one pop up every other week. They have like maybe 10 or 100 of them on HBO Max. They like it's like that's the only thing that turned me up from this. But the tone of it is really good. The idea is brilliant as a matter of fact. Um, I think this is the perfect avenue for them to have something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's lower budget obviously doesn't have as much pressure as doing like a movie or this sort of big like sci-fi series Um because obviously it doesn't have any sort of like legacy characters or anything like that that you can kind of uh, market it with mm-hmm. Uh but it's a brilliant idea so I think that the format is very good for this kind of exploration Um but I, I hope that they have more to offer than the initial hook. They're really going to have to build these characters into somebody's because the hook is that they're nobodies, but they're going to have to build them into somebody. I don't, I don't mean somebody's in terms of they're doing these amazing, superheroic, mythological things. I just mean in terms of them having, you know, personalities, real personalities, um, them having interesting uh, backstories and, and real depth and conflict and that sort of thing. And um, I think that's where the work to make this endure and be a success is going to lie. Um, That's a good
1: point. I mean, it does look goofy and fun, I agree with you, but if they don't do what you said, I can't see it lasting more than a season because who's gonna mm -hmm. care, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, it does look fun, but yeah, you gotta gotta make it a little bit more than fun. (laughs) You know, we need something else, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, So those are our three trailers for the day. So the question that we always ask ourselves is, what was your favorite what was your most impactful your favorite has to do with the one you enjoyed the most most impactful is the one that moved the dial the most for you so christian uh what was your favorite what was your most impactful
1: you know what stupidly i think my favorite one was star Trek. was probably right. lower deck. It just, I know it's silly. I know it is, but it just made me laugh. And being a Trekkie, being able to laugh at it and stuff was, I liked it. And it's probably more aimed towards kids, but whatever. It, it still was, it's it still to me, I, I laughed. And so that that wound up being my my favorite trailer. Um, most impactful, I, I know we talked about the boys giving you more of what you liked or didn't like, or you were ho-hum about in season one. But that's okay for me because it continued to move the dial to tell me I want to watch Season 2. I was into Season 2 before this. Now I'm more into Season 2 after watching the trailer because they gave me more of what I wanted. So, you know, it just moved the dial a little bit more to me and, and made me more hyped for Season 2. So, yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, I think I will – I'll agree with you on that, that Star Trek Lure decks takes the cake on both <laughs> – both, um, Interesting, because the boys' trailer is probably the, hmm, yeah, it's got to be Star Trek Lower Decks on both, and something <laughs> about it that I'm not particularly going to watch Star Trek Lower Decks, <laughs> but the boys, it was already, it was, even if, if no trailer came out and it dropped tomorrow, um I would, I will be watching it, yeah. and the trailer didn't make me feel like, oh my god! Season one was great. Season two is gonna be mind blowing. It's just it seems yeah. like more of the same. It it didn't really do that much for me. Um mm-hmm. uh, Halloween, as I said, not my thing. Um I respect it. Uh kind of middle of the road. But yeah. the Star Trek Lure decks, I laughed, found some things very funny, and yeah. um I'm quite interested. Like I, I don't know, I'm not really big on watching like animations. For example, like the Harley Quinn one, I've heard a lot of good things about it. I like chills, but I haven't watched it, so probably do the same for Star Trek Lore decks until the day I'm super desperate for something to watch. Then I might doubt you <was."> need content. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um there it is our episode for the day. Another episode of Ian in the books. Um, yeah, I, I hope you guys liked our discussion. If you would like to tell us what you think about the Gotham spin off at us, um if you would like to tell us what you would do with tenants, please, please, we need to yeah. hear what you would do and we need to kind of will it into reality because it seems like everybody's confused and we don't know what the hell is going on. No. Um, so, Christian, uh, tell us where we can find you on social media and say goodbye to the people.
1: Absolutely. Raise a quick beer to Paul. Even though he couldn't be with us tonight, so I'll raise a quick yes. weirdo. to him. But uh, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Chart Six Three
0: Six Three. Nice, and I have been yours truly, Lupe. You can find me on Twitter at Live Love Lupe. You can find me on the various social media app at Live Love Lupe as well. Uh, we look forward to our next episode of ENN, in which Paul will rejoin us once again. The official Twitter handle for the film Exiles is at the film exiles and we're also on the various social media app at the film exiles thank you for listening we love you stay safe see you on the next episode of enn and until then remember to stay exiled